0: Uh,
1: uh. (laughs) This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thanks for listening tonight, guys. We have a fantastic show ahead. We've got Steve Reutstein of the Afro-Cuban funk band Palo. In the studio, live, for the first hour, here to discuss the brand new album, Palo Live. The CD release party for that album is going to be this Saturday night, February 22nd at 9pm at The Stage Miami, 170 Northeast 38th Street. At the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have Estrella Sibila. She is the director of Philanthro Fest. That is the country's largest civic engagement festival held annually in downtown Miami at the Miami-Dade Wolfson Campus on April 12th from 12 to 5 p.m. Also joining us tonight at 7.15, we'll have Joe Cardona, the Oscar-winning director, Emmy-winning director, Emmy-winning director of Miami Boem which is a documentary on Miami's Latin rock fusion funk scene. And that's going to be released on PBS in March, and we're very excited to have him on the show as well. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you for indulging me for a few minutes, listeners. I've got something to tell you. There was some news recently about Walmart who is attempting to build a store in Midtown Miami that does not conform to Miami's zoning standards for Midtown or its new urbanist city plan. Well, we're in appeal. The group, the No Walmart and Midtown.com group has filed an appeal and none other than the former mayor of the City of Miami, Manny Diaz, has taken the opportunity to oppose the majority will of the people who live in Midtown Miami, who work in Midtown Miami and in the Wynwood District. It's entirely his decision to take Walmart's money. It's legal. Maybe legally ethical as well, most likely. However, is it ethical for a man who considers himself to be a community leader to take money from a large public entity solely for the purpose of undoing the very new urbanist zoning code that he implemented in 2005 and 2008? Is it ethical for a man who professes himself to be the green mayor to be a community leader interested in smart growth, to take the money from Walmart to break what he wrought in his two terms as mayor. The taxpayers of this city, already paid him for his term and will pay him again in the form of a tremendous public pension that all of our elected officials earn in the city of Miami for their service. So I ask, is it truly ethical for someone who claims to be a community leader to take 30 pieces of silver from the Romans and put a spike in an area that has grown and become the new downtown Miami in the offing. I say no. Manny Diaz should not represent an entity like Walmart because as a community leader, he should stand up for the city that he lives in, not his bank account. This is The Only in Miami Show, and we'll be right back with Steve Reutstein of GoPalo in just a moment.
2: Uh, The Only in Miami Show is brought to you by Morningside Mortgage. For more information, check them out online at www.MorningsideMortgage.com.
1: This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern, and you can find everything about this show at Show.com. Yes, folks, it's official. We have launched the website. You can find the Listen Live link. You can find uh, Twitter accounts. You can find our Facebook, our brand-new Facebook page, facebook.com slash only in Miami. You can find all the photographs from tonight's show and of our guests tonight. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you making it through this difficult traffic today.
2: Yeah, well, should I use my announcer's voice or should <laughs> I use my regular voice? Anything you want, my friend. It's fun. I like I like that anything you want thing. I think I'll just use my regular voice.
1: Okay, this, this is the Only in Miami show. Anything you want is a rule, cool. not a, a, a possibility. Dig that. So, I, I hear you had to tailgate to get into the parking lot. Here.
2: Oh, well, it was actually rather suspicious what I did, and I don't blame the um, gentleman for uh, sort of...
1: They um, stickered your car already? No,
2: no, he he was wondering just, you know, because I was wandering around the halls here, I've never been to this amazingly cool place before, and uh, he was like, what do you want? <laughs> you know? And, you know, because it was suspicious, I was hanging out, and then when he went in, the gate opened, and I, like, tailgated in after him and snuck in, and... It looked a little weird, you know. I'm I'm kind of an intimidating presence, so I don't I don't blame him for looking out for security.
1: Oh, extremely intimidating, yeah. extremely. So, tell me a little bit about Miami Bohem.
2: Uh, Miami Bohem, or as I've gotten to call it, Miami Boheme. Miami uh, Boheme. is a is a documentary film which is being premiered Wednesday, March nineteenth in the stage which is our new home. Palo us is Palo. My band is called Palo. Right. And the film is sub-headed. The subtitle is An American Musical Journey. So the full title is Miami Boheme: An American Musical Journey. And it's a film about the local Latin fusion music scene of bands that have formed their own sound here, a very Miami sound. Um, Paulo is my band, but uh, there are five other bands featured in the film, including Afro-Beta, Elastic Bond, Spam All-Stars, Locus Por Juana, and Suenelo. S- Suenelo. So it's, it's uh, just an amazing group of talent that we were able to cover. And the film was directed by two incredible guys, Ralph Gonzalez, who is the director of photography and uh, also the editor. And as you mentioned, Joe Cardona, who we're probably going to be talking to in a few minutes. Joe is an Emmy Award winning documentarian who's done incredible music films and other kinds of films. He's, he's a true Miamian. He grew up here and he has a big stake in this city as far as documenting our history and our unique history. And um, so Joe really um, was the driving force behind this film as far as knowing how to tell the story.
1: So Joe, Joe is very much the storyteller for this film. And yes,
2: well, it, actually, Joe and Ralph both had their own roles because, of course, film is a visual medium, and the story is tell, told through um, images. And Ralph is a master of imagery. Ralph is an incredible photographer, and his images. um if you love Miami, you will see your city as it really is, not as major media outlets want to portray it to be for whatever reason they want to.
1: Well, Miami has a glitzy reputation, but I feel like a, a lot of the media likes to go to South Beach and say it's Miami, and then sometimes they come to Miami and they want to make it look like South Beach is actually a gritty, real, street-wise kind of place. And uh, and it's odd. It's odd. People out, outside of the city have a very odd... Uh, like an odd visual spectrum because they don't really know what's downtown, what's South Beach, they just—it's all confabulated.
2: Yeah, it's true, and I—I I love Miami Beach. I have nothing against Miami Beach at all. I think Miami Beach, South Beach in particular, are gems of our of South Florida. I just feel that, um, as myself as a traveler, when I travel to another city, um, I typically prefer if I have a friend who lives there. I'd rather crash at their place. And, oh, sure,
1: and find out what's really going on. Yeah,
2: there. I, I, I'm not a big guy for the tour bus because I feel like I'm sort of seeing all the safe, easy stuff, and I'm not seeing the real city. And that's I want to see what the locals know. So this film kind of gives you a glimpse into that.
1: Well, I was saying to somebody earlier today, we were at the Coconut Grove Arts Festival. Yeah, and and they said to me, well. Some people actually go to this festival just for the food, like just for the festival food, like the fair food. And I said, you know, Calle Ocho is like a food fair every single day mm-hmm. because you have these little mom and pops that are serving up. Like, for example, uh, there's one that I just went to, and it's down the street from here, Pinolandia. All right. It's it's on the corner of Northwest First Street. And west, uh, south or northwest 12th Avenue, excuse me, it's very close to West Flagler and 12th. Yeah. Okay, um, it's very, very close to Marlins Park, it's right off of the 836. Yeah. For those of you out there who want to just try it sometime, it's open actually very late. Cool. And what they do is they have an enormous, enormous pariata, a, a, a barbecue, and all they cook on that barbecue is steak, carne asada, nice, and they take like 30-gallon, like, you know, 30-gallon garbage cans and just season the steak overnight or for a couple of days in there. Yeah. And then put it on this steak-only grill, and they have a huge steam table full of beautiful. all the different vegetables. I mean, it is beautiful.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what we um, are trying to show in the film is, um, you know, the people that live here and that have invested their life here, like yourself and like... Um, not only the musicians who have been forming their sound, that really they all pretty much say the same thing, that their sound could not have been the same had they not been here in this city. But we also cover um, the venues, the amazing venues, like um, some of the footage was shot actually live of a couple of the bands playing in the stage. Um, the v- footage of Paolo was shot in... PAX. In PAX,
1: Miami, the Performing Arts Ch- Exchange, which yeah.
2: is not currently open right now. Right, yeah. They're either closed forever or closed for some period of time, and we're we're going to see what happens with that. We're very sad to have seen PAX go because that was really one of the cornerstones of what is, unfortunately, a somewhat fragile um, situation here. Um, supporting the arts is something that our government doesn't seem to be on its own very interested in doing, so... We're left just with the venues and the fans to support what we're trying to do. And thankfully, it's given birth to this incredibly rich scene. So I, I don't mean to underestimate the power of these venues because what they've done is really facilitate what what seems to be, according to after doing this film and watching what everyone's saying, it seems to be a movement.
1: I, I agree. It is a movement. And I've been involved for a while myself. Um as as we haven't said yet, I I am in the film, I believe. Yeah, yes, you I are. Hope, you were- I hope I didn't get cut, or you know, no, wind you, up on the. You, no, I'm not no, on the cutting. You didn't room floor.
2: end up okay. on any, any floor, as far as I know.
1: Okay, good, good. Um, you know, I, I've seen that this scene has come and gone, and you know, every single time it's taken a step back, it takes two giant leaps forward. That's that's how I've seen it. I mean, when I was in the, you know, wasn't when I was in high school, there was a scene. And it revolved very much around, like, Neil Lara. Remember yes. Neil? And, oh, yes. And uh, the, the Stephen Talk House. Right? Oh, yeah.
2: I remember that scene.
1: And uh, and then, you know, things went downhill. South Beach grew up. Uh, jazzed stuck around. hmm And Jazzed is still actually one of the venues that some of these groups play at pretty frequently.
2: Yes, and Jazzed was one of the venues that we featured. We. Um that's on
1: South Beach on Washington and Thirteenth Street.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a great another great place. It's another place that gives these bands an opportunity to to, to start and to grow.
1: Jazz it I think is my favorite hole in the wall, uh, for live music. I mean, just hole in the wall. It's tiny, you get right up there next to the stage. If the act is good, you just you dance, you have a good time, and, and I mean you're dancing with the band really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean um, you know, we're we're known internationally for our discotheques and, you know, our more like electronic music. UltraFest, obviously, is an amazing thing, and there's a lot of and, great... And
1: UltraFest really came here because of the discotheques, because of the nightclubs, and the scene that they c- created that DJs took advantage of, and those DJs actually still play these scenes, so...
2: Yeah, and it's a great scene if, if that's what you're into, and, you know, I love electronic music, but I just am a musician who plays an instrument, and I write songs, and they have singing on them.
1: Great. Well, let's let's take this call. We've got Joe Cardona on the line. Joe?
2: Hey, fellas. How you doing?
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Great. Thanks for calling into the show. Appreciate it. How are you tonight?
0: <laughs> Super. So. Thanks, thanks for having me, by the way.
1: Oh, love to have you on. So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to create Miami Bohem.
0: And I think it's what inspires all of us who have been following these bands for years now. It's a unique sound that that, uh, was bred here in Miami. It's a mixture of all our cultures, and I think it's a true Miami art form.
1: Absolutely, I agree. So you're a fan.
0: I am a fan, and really it's born from that. It's born from many years of going out to see, you know, Palo Suenalo, um, Spam, obviously, um, and it's that cool hybrid sound that I think I think brings people together in this community.
1: I think so too. So tell me this: which group got you in? Which which group did you kind of hang out with first, or see you know I, I get think into the first?
0: The first group, the first group uh, was Spam, obviously. Yeah. Um, back way into the uh, into the late nineties, um, maybe early two thousands.
1: So you, you attended the Fuakata event. Uh, I
0: was a Fuacata person. And in fact in the film there's footage that I shot that in Flocata in two thousand and two. Um so I was a longtime fan of theirs. And then along the way obviously Palo and Swenello were bands that, that uh you know caught my attention and it's kinda of mushroomed and I think it's a it's a unique hybrid sound, it's a unique jam band kind of sound with maybe a little Latin twist. Um I think a big, Latin twist,
1: yeah, big, the, la- big the, Latin twist. Especially the 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 congas Um, The horns, um, a lot of the rhythms, uh, you know, a lot of them were actually very influenced by fish, if you can imagine that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just got to say,
1: I I just got to say my first group that I listened to of the five that are in this film is is Swenelo. But when I was listening to them, I was also playing because I happened to be friends with some of those guys from the original group. And before there was a Swenelo, there was just a big jam at a friend's house. Uh, in Little Havana. Monkey Village. The Monkey Village. And and that's where it all kind of started for me anyway. Um, so yeah, did well, you,
0: you know, that, that's in the film too, by yeah, the way. Yeah,
1: so did you actually go to the Monkey Village?
0: I visited the Monkey Village on once, maybe two, two occasions. Um, and I thought it was a cool scene. I mean, it was uh, kind of very laid back, and uh, and the rest is a haze.
1: The rest is a haze Uh, You know, Nate Greenberg is still here in Miami uh, Monkey himself And uh, he's actually very active With the Moksha family Um, For our listening audience Moksha is a a group that does uh, They do the after party for uh, Big Night Little Haiti What is it, every third Friday, I believe? Yeah, I think so Yeah, it's every third Friday They're on Northeast 59th Street uh, In between 2nd Avenue and 3rd Avenue and, and that's a fantastic party. If you can make it out there every third Friday, uh, they start at about 10 o'clock at night, and it's there's usually a cover charge of 10 to $20. Uh, but if you want to see, like, reggae music that you just don't see anywhere else, it's not even a nightclub or a venue. It's just a private party they do once a month. And that's something that Miami has. It's special. So, uh, Joe, before we go to the clip, because we're going to actually play the extended clip... Uh, give us your your final thoughts before we see the movie. What what should we be anticipating with Miami Bohem?
0: Well, I tell you, just you just go there with uh, open ears, I should say, and an open heart. And uh, to any Miami music fan or any music fan in general, this is going to be a unique experience. I think it's a heartfelt film. I think you're going to see Miami um, from 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 Miamians' perspectives, and I think that stands out in the film. This is a film by Miamians for Miamians, Um, and I think it's a groovy experience and certainly an oral experience, (laughs) A-U-R-A-L. Thank you for Uh, specifying. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, the other thing that that I'm proud of, Joe, is that um, because this is going into the PBS national pipeline, that potentially millions of people outside of our city are going to see this film and see what, Um, even a lot of people in Miami don't know about, now the rest of the country is going to be able to discover this sort of, unfortunately, hidden gem is not going to be as hidden anymore, hopefully, and and we'll be able to be on the radar screen of more people. Uh,
0: You know, it's interesting because today, actually, Grant's name came up, Steve, when we were talking because it was like, one of the things that I think strikes up conversation amongst people who are from here and live here. Uh, is, is, is these bands and this music. And it's like we have more common, regardless of where we're from originally, uh, we have more in common with each other, those of us that have been bred here, uh, than with folks from wherever we're from originally. And so what's beginning to happen is this identity as Miamians, and I hope it continues. Um, and this is certainly something to help kind of bolster that and let people know that there is such a thing as a Miami sound once again.
1: That's fantastic. So thank you so much for coming hey, on the show, Joe. Me, and and congrats,
0: congrats on the show, Steve Grant. It's really terrific and oh, much needed.
1: Thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. So we're going to roll the clip. We're going to get, what, three minutes of Miami Boheme, uh trailer.
2: I think that's about how long? Maybe 250-something. So, yeah. Th- about
1: three minutes. So stay tuned, guys. We're going to be back just on the other side of the trailer. This is the Only in Miami show.
3: Everything's different. The way we live, the way we, like, function. We're like an island here, you know? And we take all the cultures that are in the island and we make a, a soup out of it.
1: You have this melting pot, but it's not all quite melted yet. <laughs> I think of Miami as the, as the northernmost city in the Caribbean. Yeah. you feel when you're hearing it. You know, it doesn't feel any different for me on, up there than it does for the person who's dancing to it in the crowd.
0: I love our music. That's just part of my
4: culture. It's delicious.
3: <laughs> so, pretty much when you cross I-95 or 395, you find what Miami really is. There's more of a vibe. There's more of a character definition, you know, it's, it's a certain, it's a different type of people. Que rico,
4: you know, I feel so good. I want this, you know, this is for me. I, yo me siento Miami. It's hard to say. I mean, uh,
5: my whole life would have been different had I chose to live somewhere else.
4: Y hemos hecho que la música en Miami vuelva a vivir esto no lo para nadie, de verdad que esto ya a punto en que
2: estamos no lo para nadie.
4: Baby,
3: <laughs> That's what makes Afrobeat of Miami, uh, the fact that we are Miamians, we live in this community, this is part of our life, this is part of our world.
6: You
5: find out when it's a movement, when different people from out of town. They're speaking about Miami. If you want to be a band in Miami and get paid and get work, you know, you got to make people
4: dance. Whether
2: it's Cuban music, Colombian music, any kind of Latin music that maybe somebody fell in love with or grew up on, mashed together, with whatever kind of American music that you love, that's my big
1: And welcome back. This is the only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're here live with Steve Reutstein of GoPalo. Yes, sir. And you can find him on Twitter at G-O-P-A-L-O. You're also at
2: www.gopalo.com. Yeah, everything is GoPalo on the internet.
1: Everything on the internet. It's GoPalo with an exclamation point sometimes, right? No, well,
2: actually, the the internet doesn't allow punctuation, so everything is just GoPalo. Palo.com was taken, so we just use GoPalo for everything. But we spell actually the name of the band is just Paulo, and I usually spell it with an exclamation exclamation point, but it's not necessary.
1: I think of it with an exclamation point.
2: Yeah, just you've been seeing it that way, so it's I've it into your brain already.
1: Now there's also a Paulo app, correct for your cell phone.
2: Yes, there is. Um, that's uh, you can search for mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm on i think you just search for reverbnation.com and you search for paolo um if you want to just write me on twitter or something if you want to get the app the app is kind of cool because you can stream all of our music live for free and you know you can see where we're playing so that's kind of handy if you want you know you don't want to download the music you can just have it there to stream and you know remind you of stuff sometimes we make things available to people who are on you know, the app that maybe other people don't have, like, you know, hey, you might win a t-shirt or whatever, you know, stuff like that.
1: Oh, that's very cool. So there's a good reason to get the app because you guys will give away some freebies, maybe some tickets to some of the shows upcoming.
2: Yeah, there's, um, actually, if you go to gopalo.com, now that I think of it, there's a little link there that says connect, and it lists all the different ways. So you can choose whether you want to get email, uh, text messages, if you want to, be part of the app, or all three. You can you can do a, any of those things, and it's all free, and you can get off of it whenever you want. So it's not like we're gonna spam the hell out of you. It's just you know keeping in touch. If you like the music and you want to kind of know what's going on with us, then just connect.
1: But what happens if you're playing with DJ Spam? Uh,
2: if then you want to be spammed. Okay. Yeah.
1: You you want to be spammed by DJ Spam and, and actually, All-stars.
2: um, it looks like I just found out uh, while we were sitting here, I saw a message that. The DJ Lespam, otherwise known as Andrew Yeomanson, um, will be spinning at the um, premiere for Miami Boheme on Wednesday, March 19th. So you're going to be able to hear one of the most amazing DJs, and you could almost call him a musicologist that I've ever met. This guy is incredible. And if you like good music, just you, it's almost worth it, just hearing that. I agree. I mean,
1: he actually controls the group like with the board and and he's like the the bass groove he's got all the tracks i mean like we're talking about one of the groups that i think has played the most in the last 15 years in the city of miami like the most live gigs and you know there's something to be said for volume uh it it means you're doing something right and and by gosh uh andy really grinds i mean he is the hardest working musician in this town
2: yeah, he really is. I mean, a lot of people, uh, lay people, think um, the entertainment business that they know um, is uh, kind of like a really glamorous uh, industry. And it can be for a very tiny percentage of superstars. But those of us, uh, like Andrew, who is really one of the pioneers in our local scene, um, from day one and all the way to today, you um, He's just a super hard worker. I mean, if you just hang around a club that he's playing in from the beginning, he's schlepping the equipment, and you know he's he's got a guy who helps him, but they
1: and, both work. And he work. also has a really wonderful van. Typically, yeah. I mean, he's got the mystery machine. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he really has the mystery machine. I'm not kidding.
2: A- Andrew has like a lot of cool them. items in his life, and you know, but he's he's just a cool guy, and that comes out in his music. It, it's uh, it's his personality, you know. Um, when you see the film, Miami Boheme, um, you're going to see that I, I was honored to be my one of my official titles on the film is one is one of the producers of the film. Um, and so I wasn't directing the film. The people who were making the major decisions about what was included, what wasn't included um, were the directors. And, right.
1: Joe Joe Cardona, who we had on earlier. Yeah. And, and Ralph Ralph, Ra- Ralph Gonzalez. Gonzalez,
2: who is, you know, um, an incredible young talent and an amazing team. But one of the things that I occasionally would suggest is, you know, I'm looking at this and from the standpoint of a person who's seen this uh, movement, if you want to call it that, this Miami Boheme movement that we're calling it, grow, is that um, really the Spam All-Stars were, for, for, at least for Palo, were a major influence. Apollo would not have happened had it not been for the Spam All-Stars. So I I was really proud to be able to sort of facilitate a little bit um, the Spam All-Stars, Andrew, and all those great musicians that he has and has had in the past, and give him the props because um, they really deserve it, as do all the bands. And unfortunately, a lot of other bands that, that they just couldn't be included because of time constraints. You only have a certain amount of time to tell the story in 60 minutes. And uh, name and,
1: a couple of these other bands because we'd love to give them the the due they deserve.
2: Uh, well, like for instance, Bachaco Experimento. Um, I could go on and on. There Conjunto
1: are, Progreso. Yeah,
2: Conjunto Progreso. Really, as far as what what the directors were trying to define, Conjunto doesn't fit what they were calling because the Conjunto is a great classic Cuban music band. They, um. But what, what Joe originally wanted to do was cover the scene of people who had taken some sort of influence, such as traditional Cuban music, and transformed it somehow and made it their own and and kind of done this mashup that all of these bands have done. And um, one of the bands that uh, that did get kind of included not featured but included in in the score is electric piquete which has done some of that mashup themselves they'd taken some you know latin sounds and mixed it up with jazz and funk and stuff and they they do a great job and we were really proud to include them uh, there are so many great bands here in fact i have trouble now keeping up with them <laughs> when we um when we interviewed um lolo from sweat records uh, one of the inter- interesting things she said among many interesting things that she said was that um, how the scene here in Miami, because there are these what she called veteran bands that have lasted, it kind of inspires and shows the younger bands that it can be done, and that's really... really... That's what it
1: takes to have a scene, the, to know that there's somewhere to play next week. Yeah. I mean, it really, and, and not just one place to play. But there's actually a, a small network of venues, and it shifts; it changes from time to time. It does. Um, you know, I would say that uh, originally uh, Transit Lounge was one of those like, right. like founding venues for the scene. Yes. Um, many years ago, the Marlin Bar used to be one of those venues.
2: Yeah, that that I wasn't part of that scene, but yeah. Paulo did play in Transit quite a few times. And-
1: uh, Tobacco Road is kind of
2: off and on i feel
1: they go through phases where they take a lot of the scene and bring them in and then all of a sudden yeah they've been so much
2: i always thought of them more as like a bluesy rocky kind of place but then you'll turn around and oh well swanel is playing there or the spam all-stars are playing there um you really have to applaud in my opinion any venue anywhere in the united states that features live music because even if it's a cover band Or a trio or a solo. I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of musicians playing with tracks. You know, I really don't enjoy that. But, man, if it's anything that's featuring a live performer and people are able to be entertained or hearing some some great music, if there's especially this component of creativity, um, thank goodness for that because uh, we need to keep our culture alive. and if there's no place for people to play then the culture will die and that's why we have a scene because there not only are there some venues who are willing to risk this but there are also people who really want to hear this and so they show up and they support us and that has been enough because the bands themselves that's all we really need we need some you people need the to fans. play for it, You, and you we need, need the fans yeah.
1: absolutely if people don't you know i remember many years ago people used to say for some odd reason in Miami they prefer a DJ with a CD to a whole live band actually making music in front of you and that's changed
2: yeah um that is funny because uh you know i think electronic music is its own genre and i don't re- disrespect it cuz i love it um uh, but i'm a musician from way back and you know what i learned is to play in an ensemble and it's a real time thing. It's kind of like like I always say it's like walking on a tightrope without a net because if you screw up, people will notice it. If, you know, if you press play on a computer or on a CD player and that's all you're doing, you can program a great set and I'm not detracting from that, but that's not the same thing as a group of musicians interacting with each other and interacting with the crowd in real time and if somebody messes up, it's a big problem. Um, but when you watch these bands consistently, night in after night, night after night, they perform and they really do their part. So the people who are fans, when they come out, and they expect to see something amazing. They get it, and that's that's kind of the interplay that we that we are so proud of.
1: Now you have an album coming out this week. It's being released on Saturday, February twenty second. This Saturday. That's correct. And you're having the release party at The Stage, which is in the Miami Design District. Mm -hmm. There is tons and tons and tons of parking next to it. Yes. Very inexpensive municipal parking. That's right. So I encourage all of our listeners, every single last one of you, and I am counting, (laughs) to show up this Saturday. Uh, It's 170 Northeast 38th Street. Uh, If you're coming from I-95, you can take 195, the Julia Tuttle Causeway, and it's got an exit on North Miami Avenue, and you can get there from the North Miami Avenue exit. You actually go, uh, yeah, you can get there from North Miami, or you can take the Biscayne Boulevard exit, or you can just, you know, hop on a service street and come on down. Uh, It starts at 9 p.m. You probably go till what, about... Two two in the morning, Yeah, most something likely. like that.
2: Usually... An early set uh, and
1: a late set, uh, right? Yeah,
2: usually our party's there. We kind of play it by ear. Um, we usually go on about 11. So um, we we'll, we play it by ear. Sometimes we'll just do one long set and just keep partying because the energy's there. Sometimes we'll take a break and, and come back for another set. But I would urge everyone to show up early because the first 100 gets, guests receive a free CD. So... We're going to have a box of 100 there to give out, and uh, if you get there early, you'll get your CD. And um, I really feel like this is just a small way that we can sort of give back to the people who support us. Um, This CD, as I mentioned earlier, I believe was recorded um, at our 10-year anniversary show at PAX, and a lot of our fans have been sort of bugging us for a while. Um, We want a new CD, and we'd like to hear... A recording of you playing live so this is the result of that and if you want to listen to it i think you'll get a decent idea what we're talking about
1: well that's what we're gonna do we're gonna just go kind of in order and and listen to maybe like 15 to 30 seconds of each track
2: so uh, what's the first track the first track is a song called dale palo and um it's sort of built on a play on words that really doesn't work very well in in english uh just very quickly, the word palo in Spanish, if you don't speak Spanish, it means a stick. Literally, it's a stick. But it's also got other connotations, sexual connotations. I'll let you <laughs> I'll let you fill in. And a so lot of I'm other connotations. The, wait, I, I bought a palo de limpia. Ah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, th- so literally, if you tell somebody, well, uh, she's misbehaving, dale palo, that could mean, well, hit her with a stick. But it could also mean something else dale palo just fill in the blank use your imagination there's a little bit of a and i know this is a family show so i'm not gonna describe anything uh you know really pornographic but oh dale dale that's that is the kind of like the joke behind the song and this song started as an improv i originally had the beat for another song and we just improvised it one night and that's how the song was written and it stuck It stuck let's hear it Awesome. When you said cut out, he really did.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think he said, yeah. So, uh, by the way, just for our listening audience, we are skipping the rest of the breaks here. This show is 100% underwritten by Morningside Mortgage, our wonderful sponsor. So there's not going to be a commercial break until the 55-minute mark of the hour. We're going to keep listening to tracks. So what's the next track?
2: Um, The next track, and uh, this one is also built on a somewhat suggestive double meaning. I don't know how these ended up first and second on the album. This one is called La Malanga Resbala. Malanga, for those of you who don't know, is a root vegetable popular among Cubans and other Latin Americans. And when you see it in the grocery store, it just kind of looks like a furry, big, brown uh, carrot, carrot or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, in like soups, yeah, a lot of soup. And and when you when you peel it, it looks like some other things, and it's also very slippery. So the oh, song it's very is slippery. called the song is called Malanga slips, I think something malanga like that. Malanga slippery. Okay, so yeah. you, it, the song in the
1: song you say you have to learn how to handle the, the, the malanga. Yeah,
2: that's what it's like a, a, an advice, There's a play on words, perhaps. There you there. go.
1: Yeah. So that's a new one, right? That's that is new another song. new
2: song. And that one uh, was just kind of came up in my head. And I um, I had an idea and I kind of wrote the, that chorus. And then um, I knew the kind of verses I wanted to write. And I got together with uh, Leslie and our dear friend, Leslie's cousin, Pepin Rivero, who is an incredible songwriter. And we finished the verses out together. But when you get to hear the whole song, you, you, you can see not only... If, you've, if you haven't heard this kind of music before, you can tell just by listening to the intro that we use funk beats and we use kind of like Cuban sounds on top of it. So right off the bat, you hear the blend there, you hear the fusion. Um, but the songs are coming from a lot of them a very traditional kind of a Cuban standpoint. Most of our music is pure Spanish, and for those people who don't speak Spanish, they still still seem to enjoy it anyway. And what's incredible about this that unfortunately you're, you're, gonna, you're just going to have to come to a show or get the music online to appreciate it is that as the songs develop, you hear the virtuosity of Leslie Cartaya, our lead singer, and she takes this stuff to another level later in the song. It builds and builds and builds and she just um, brings it. To, uh, I don't know, to a soulfulness and a musicality. And her improv is half the song. I mean, we get the song done and then we get to the other part of the song where she's just improving. And it's it's really something to behold her and then the other musicians Ed Calle on the sax, Ramiro Lalde on timbales, and Philbert Armentero on congas. It, it's like. Of really four of the best musicians I've ever met in my life, and I've been around a lot of good ones. So it's really an honor to, to listen to these people uh, and perform with them and call them uh, fellow band members of Palo.
1: That's great. So what is the next song we're going to hear here?
2: The next song is a song called Fumando, and it's uh,
1: a... Fumando means we're smoking? It just means smoking. It just means smoking. Fumando.
2: Fumando. And it kind of says, uh, it really doesn't make any statement. It just simply says, all the smokers are outside smoking. And it came out of an observation that I made that, you know, because people realize that it's not nice to force other people to inhale your smoke, that we have to do something about it, and that's acceptable. And I just noticed that, wow, I see a lot of people standing outside smoking.
1: Now that it totally makes me think of this wonderful only in Miami sign at El Exquisito, a, a cafe on Cayocho. It's on Calle Ocho and 15th Avenue. I know it well. That yet yeah, we both frequent, um, and they have a great sign in the back that just has a picture of a guy with a cigar and it's just a cigar and it just says smokers welcome yeah. <laughs> like you know you, i think of new york and they're like smokers get out of here yeah. but in miami they're welcome so let's hear fumando that song i just always like hum it along after it's done
2: that's one of those songs and i um i put some violins in there uh, played by a young really talented violinist locally here um cuban dude named uh, jorge Oviedo, and i wrote it thinking of some of like the cuban charanga stuff i I tipped my hat to larry larry harlow el julio maravilloso the marvelous jew um who (laughs) the marvelous jew yeah who um, worked that sound into his sound back in the 60s and 70s at Funny All-Stars, and he's actually a Apollo fan. He lives part-time in Miami and comes and visits us now and then when, when he can, and um, that is just a song that kind of like, as you keep listening to it, it just builds and builds like a train and gets this momentum going, and the dancers love it. Actually, in Miami Boheme, there's a segment. Uh, one of our big fans, uh, Leo, um, is a pre-med student, and he's just followed us ever since he discovered us, and he loves to dance. He's a dance instructor, a great salsa dancer. And there's a little segment about dancing because dance is so important to our culture here. And um, so the song that, that Joe and Ralph chose to sort of feature in that segment is Fumando, and you see these kids dancing to the thing and it's spectacular visually to just watch these people with such energy dancing to the music and and you can see as the song builds that you know the the dancers get more and more psyched and then you you know they cut to a scene in PAX when we're playing the song and, and these people like by the way that night was amazing you were there Grant it was like Maybe oh, like yeah, know, 400, mean, 500 people packed into the room.
1: I've never seen even close to that many people there. I think the most I've ever seen was about 200 people for like a really big event. Yeah. And it was electric. I mean, it was really the the way the place should have been every single week if anybody could make it happen. Yeah.
2: It, and, you know, that that is one of the things that, um, that I don't talk about much. But one of the things that I appreciate about the people who do come out is that they sustain – the scene but i don't want anyone to get complacent with this i think the people who love culture and love this original art that's being created whether it's visual art or uh music or whatever it happens to be um make sure not only that you keep supporting it yourself but that you evangelize a little bit and you spread the word to your friends and people who don't do it I talk you know if you find one of the bands spectacular uh, spread the word and and bring your friends. And I know that's what has sustained us because a lot of people already do that. And if people could just keep doing that, I think we'll be able to sustain the, the scene.
1: Now, what's the next track on our list here?
2: The next track on the list is, I think I sent you a list, but I actually forget. Um, let me look here real quickly. Um, the next track is a song called Mi Protección. And if you only play a f- couple minutes uh, or, like, 30 seconds of it, you won't get much of a sense for that. We might want to go, if they can go, to track six. Yeah, let's go to track six. And that's a song that a lot of people know from Paulo. It's a song called Lengua Larga, and that is a song about a gossiper. And that one, this is a live version of the song, so you, no one's ever heard this before. Wait a
1: minute. You're saying there's gossipers in Miami?
2: Yeah, well, uh, a couple.
1: A couple. Okay, well, yeah. let's hear it. This is Lengua Larga. Very cool. Very cool.
2: Yeah, and once again, um, a lot of people have heard the studio version of that because our album's been out, you know, for a few years. And this, for people who like some of the songs on there, there's uh, there's four. Like I mentioned earlier, there's four songs that have never been released before, and um, the other six are songs that that they know from the studio version. But these are the ones where we're all sweating on the same stage together with the crowd, and that's really what Palo is all about is the interaction between the musicians and between the music band and the, and the audience. And it's, it's really a rare thing.
1: And you guys, you guys definitely encourage your audience to sing along, right?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we do. And there, there are songs that we do that kind of we have built up that way over time and other things just spontaneously we'll see the people singing along without even any encouragement. Lengua Larga is one of those. It's, it's a song where people really like to sing it to each other and, you know, laugh at each other and kind of call each other, well, you're the gossiper, and no, I'm not, you are, and that sort of thing. There's one other song that we haven't heard yet, which is the last cut. It's number 10, and that's um, that's one of the uh, songs that's never been released before. That's a song called El Festín de Santiago. It's about a party gone wrong, and uh, it's it's built on the traditional conga beat, from which comes from that part of Cuba, but it's actually, the, in this case, Santiago is misleading because it's the guy's name who had the party, and uh, if you speak Spanish and you, you end up hearing this song, you'll hear the whole story of what happened at his party.
1: Okay, so let's hear it. such great energy i mean the live sound really comes through
2: yeah that i have to also credit um our audio guys uh phil coladetti and bobby McEwen, um two audio engineers who not only were they doing the pa that night but they were also recording the whole thing and they also worked on the post-production which means they helped mix and master the album so it's got um a very relatively clean sound it's really well documented extremely
1: clean i mean it really sounds like a studio
2: album but every once in a while you hear the crowd leaking in and you hear things that you know the interplay between musicians that is almost impossible to achieve in a typical modern studio setting because usually when a band Records a studio album, they don't all play at the same time, and that's how we did our first album. It was like, you know, I'd lay down the tracks, and the percussion would come in, and then we'd do the background vocals, and then Leslie would sing, and then Ed would play, and it's you don't get the interaction that you do in a live situation.
1: No, and and not only that, but the the rhythm and the energy and the interaction with the crowd, and it's just it's very different. Yeah. it's very different. I think that it's uh, you know, not a lot of groups play live. You know they play live albums, but they don't like record live anymore. Like Jimi Hendrix Experience used to do that, mm-hmm. where they would take you know all the musicians, put them in a studio, and then record them live. Yeah, so it, it definitely gives you a great taste of what it's really like to be at one of these shows.
2: Well, after after doing this uh, album in this way, I'm I'm tempted to do another one sometime in the future in a similar way, just because that it you can't replace that interaction with the audience and that's why i hope um those of you who kind of like what you're hearing um give us a shot or one of the bands
1: yeah yeah 90 seconds left so we want to tell everybody about the cd release party
2: yes well i'm actually going to mention that and the other uh, event the cd release party is this saturday february 22nd at the stage and you can look them up on the internet the stage miami
1: they're at the stage my Mi- at the stage miami on twitter yeah they're the stage miami.com as well i believe so okay and, and then there's uh the miami bohem the release party for that is in yeah, march yeah
2: that is wednesday march 19th and if you want to um find out about getting tickets to that um you can go to Miami com, or you can just go to Miami Boheme on Facebook, and you'll find out about it there at facebook.com slash Miami Bohemian. That event is an early event for those of you who have to go to bed early. All righty. That's a nice
1: early event. So you can find Steve at GoPolo. And we're going to be right back at the eight o'clock hour with a very special guest, Estrella Sibila. She is the director of PhilanthroFest, which is the largest civic engagement festival in the country. It's going to be in downtown Miami in April. Steve, Thank you so much for being on the show.
2: This was fun. Congratulations on a really great show, and and, uh, thank you all for tuning in. And please feel free to write and just say that you listened and uh, hope to see you soon at one of our gigs. And please share the podcast. Let everybody know. This is The Only
1: in Miami Show. I'm your host, Grant Stern, and we'll be right back at 8 o'clock.
2: The Only in Miami Show is brought to you by Morningside Mortgage. For more information, check them out online at www.MorningSideMortgage.com. WZAB Sweetwater, South Florida's only business radio station. 880 AM, The Biz, a division of Salem Communications, on the NASDAQ as SALM.
1: This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thanks for listening tonight. We are here with Estrella Sivilla. Estrella, thank you for joining us on the show.
3: Hello, hello, Grant. Thank you for having me.
1: Estrella is the director of Philanthrofest, which you can find at Philanthrofest on Twitter or www.philanthrofest. Philanthro, as in philanthropy, fest, as in festival. So, explain to our listening audience what is a civic engagement festival?
3: It's a festival where we bring together a bunch of different nonprofits in all of the different sectors from health, education, children, pets. Um, and we put them together with a festival that has music, entertainment for kids, entertainment for adults, opportunities to learn about the community, learn about the types of arts and cultural events that we have going on, and really just get a taste for what's already happening in South Florida. And you could find an organization or a group that really just speaks to you, to your passions and your values, and you could connect with them, become a volunteer, become a donor, become an issue advocate, and really just deepen those community connections that we have here in Miami and spark the philanthropic interest.
1: Now, I understand you have some events coming up. In the run-up to the main Civic Engagement Festival, what is the next Fest event?
3: We have a digital media institute for nonprofit professionals. We've brought together a few speakers from that are published authors and speakers in the areas of effective newsletter writing, optimizing websites, the art and science of data. So these are all folks that are published authors and really leaders in these different areas that are coming to share their knowledge with our nonprofits to help them engage on digital platforms. We've also invited Folks from the Roots of Hope, which is Raíces de Esperanza, as well as the Children's Movement of South Florida, we're going to be spotlighting two of those nonprofits and some of the digital media strategies that they've used to be able to engage with their donors and their volunteers.
1: Now, I understand this is going to be a ticket event, correct? Yes, it is. Where can you get a ticket to the PhilanthroFest Digital Media Strategy, uh, Digital Media Institute?
3: You could find the link on our website on philanthropest.com. You could also find the event on Eventbrite. We also have a link on our Facebook page as well.
1: And the Facebook page is also fan- facebook.com slash philanthropest. All one word, correct?
3: All one word on all of the digital platforms. We are at Philanthrofest.
1: Now this is going to be from 9 a.m. until noon on Wednesday, February 26th. That's one week from this Wednesday. And it's $20 early, 30 in advance, correct?
3: That's correct. And you could expect to see Alex De Carvalho from Constant Contact. He's one of the le- leaders in everything that has to do with digital writing, engagement, and helping those organizations have better open rates and really creating engaging content. Then we're also gonna hear from Jessica Higgins, who's a Lean Six Sigma black belt that's gonna talk about the art and science of data and being able to translate some of those data points that organizations have collected into really uh, wonderful stories about what it is that they're providing in terms of service. And then finally, you'll also hear from Wally Benmezian from Web Congress, who is an expert in everything that deals with digital media and engagement. And he's gonna be talking about, gonna be talking about optimizing your website creating opportunities where you're handling all of your social media in an effective way and really being able to spread that message, advocate, and be able to engage with those folks that are already part of your network or reach out to those that might be willing to engage with your organization.
1: So you're going to have three speakers in three hours. I understand that the Knight Foundation is one of your participants and sponsors, right?
3: Yes, our organization, PhilanthroFest, is supported by the Knight Foundation, the Miami Foundation, Medina Family Foundation. And, of course, we have a great partnership with Miami-Dade College as well as Miami-Dade County and the city of Miami. And
1: next week's event is going to be at the Miami-Dade College Wolfson Campus, 300 Northeast 2nd Avenue. Uh, Where is it? It's uh, Building 2, the 200 Building Room 2106. So, I would encourage all of our listeners to check out Philanthrofest. It's www.philanthrofest.com. Estrella, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have you next week for your Philanthrofest forum, correct?
3: That's correct. We're going to be sharing some philanthro stories of some of the organizations that previously participated
1: and hopefully signing up a few new ones. If you are a part of a nonprofit, And interested in participating in PhilanthroFest, which will help you connect with new people, hopefully donors, maybe even volunteers, or somebody that you can help. Go to www.philanthroFest.com. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter, at Grant Stern. We will be right back in just two minutes with the drastic fanatic. We'll be talking Miami sports only in Miami. Mama always said we were royalty. She even said it's staring in the face of poverty. Is that insanity or vanity? I think it's nothing but the power of the mind. Believe
4: she put it in me. Because I live on my dreams. I get my fantasies wings. One day I'm gonna be king. I'm gonna make that woman so proud of a son. I know you heard about changes to change come. come. Question. Will you be there? Will you be there? I'll be there with my hands held high in the air, like a champion. Take my eyes off the prize, cause life is a blink of an eye. You're here, then you're gone, off to the other side. My time is a gift, and I use it. I spend every day making beautiful music. But you don't have to hold the tune to serenade a room. Just to highlight noon, even in the gloom. Darkest clouds never block the sun. Just rise above, and you're already won. No obstacle can't be overcome. If you think that you can, then it's already done.
1: Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. Drastic Fanatic will be joining us in the studio in just a couple of minutes. And in the meantime, I would love to invite you guys to our brand new website. Uh, We haven't even finished designing the logo. We're almost done with it. We really, really wanted to bring you the website as fast as possible. It's www.onlyinmiamishow.com. Dot .com. And on there, you can find social media links to a lot of the different things that we're doing outside of the studio and outside of the show. There's links to www.nowalmartandmidtown.com to the Heat Fan Club page, which uh, we're actually getting ready to build out a brand new blog at heatfanclub.com. And we just launched a daily paper that is called onlyinmiamitoday.com, which you can find at the show's page as well. And it's a standalone page that we're going to be developing over the next couple of months. And every single day, what it does is it takes the Twitter content from our streams, from the people that we follow, from the hashtags that we think are important, and from the hashtag Miami. And it aggregates it, and it brings the most interesting stories to the top every single day, so that if you're too busy to follow Twitter every single day, we follow it for you, only in Miami. Now, we've got a couple of other things that are going to go on there, and they're just not ready yet. Um, But in the meantime, there's a ton of Facebook pictures. You can find pictures from tonight's show of Estrella and PhilanthroFest from last year's Civic Engagement Festival. And there's also photos from Palo Live, where he filmed for the La Boheme and his live album. I mean, they did both at the same time, if you can imagine. It was an elaborate production. Uh, Steve is a great guy, and he just doesn't really tell you how much work goes into this. It's extraordinary that he can make a live album at the very same time that he's filming a very serious music documentary. Uh, It's just... It's unbelievable, and we've got some great behind-the-scenes live photos that I took, actually, from Palo Live and the filming of La Boheme. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Fanatic. <laughs> Thanks for having me. How was the weather? Weather is beautiful, man. How was the traffic? Traffic was a little bumpy tonight. A little bumpy, huh? I apologize for the tardiness. Uh-oh. Okay, we're going to give you a demerit. We're going to give you a detention. You're going to have stay to stay after attention. school. No yeah. sweat. Okay, good, good. So what's going on there, man? I... I didn't get to see all the All-Star game. I was actually at uh, an event last night. Uh, It's called Refresh Miami.
5: Okay. What goes on
1: there? It's a tech event. Uh, If you look at the hashtag Refresh Miami, you can kind of check it all out. Now, I don't know if our listening audience has ever heard of this this company or website, but it's reddit.com, R-E-D-D-I-T.com. You com. always
5: see it on the link, like share through, and you're know, like, what's Reddit, right? You know right. Facebook, you know Twitter, and you know, then what's Reddit?
1: Right. Well, Reddit is a place where geeks can vote on what they think <laughs> of, of a different article, and then they can snark on it. I mean, make comments, of course. Sure. And uh, last night they had the co-founder of Reddit at the University of Miami via Refresh Miami, which is a great group, refreshmiami.com. So I missed the all star record Look, for three pointers. Yeah, by Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. Sure.
5: So probably got robbed from co MVP honors. that would have given him a co MVP. Wait a second. So who was the MVP? Kyrie Irving. Kyrie. Yeah, man. He wanted to show off to LeBron.
1: Oh, I see. I see. So yeah. so in other words, like this was like the championship game for Kyrie and for Melo. This is
5: and, uh, you know pretty much anybody on the Nets make showcase. it yeah Joe Johnson I don't know why but he made it seventh seventh time there the game started off with like eight Blake Griffin dunks of every kind of variety and you're like <laughs> all right how many more Blake Griffin dunks can one man like watch already and well I, I think there's a reason after that
1: I think there's a reason why LeBron doesn't go into the All-Star uh dunk contest and it's because what's the point I mean really would anybody beat him in this dunk contest
5: well then go do it maybe if you know he, if he would be a trendsetter and try to bring out like Kevin Durant or any of these other I think John Wall was probably the biggest name as we've seen in a long time even in this you actually heard of the guy right now wait a second I I actually did get to
1: see the slam dunk contest and a they pretty said dope dunk, that too. John Wall was the third number one pick overall to win but after Blake Griffin and uh and... uh is not a player no no it's Dwight Howard, of course. Superman. Oh, sure, sure. And then you know, Little Nate with the little Crips Nate. Yeah, those were fun years. They were fun years. So why don't the Knicks have Little Nate anymore? What happened there? He's probably played on
5: six teams since he left the Knicks.
1: But he, you know, he's he a started- sideshow.
5: He's like a little sideshow. He's hurt right now. He's on the Nuggets actually. Um, you know, he was there. So I mean, he the was Bulls there with David Lee. This year. Yeah, he was tough. He played good with the Bulls last year. He definitely did. played good. I mean, come on, well, man. Well, I should say well. They,
1: they. Hey, listen, good, well. I mean, they looked like a team last year when he was on them,
5: and yeah. this year they played his they best basketball last year. Yeah, in the playoffs against Brooklyn, he had that coming out party. He had, he had some great moments. Um, look, when he was on the Knicks, he was definitely a sideshow. You know, he has his basketball IQ is highly suspect, and his athletic ability is freakish, and you know. He's fun to watch, but I don't think you're going to win any championships with him. So that's why he's been traveling around. He's trying to sell tickets.
1: Well, forget winning a championship with the guy. How about just getting to the playoffs for some of these teams, like the
5: Knicks, the Celtics, the Bulls, all wanted well, he, he passed went to the, he on went, little Nate. Yeah, he went, He actually put, was their shining uh, shining star last year in the playoffs, little Nate on the Bulls. Hey, he won the Bulls the equivalent of a,
1: a – seventh bulls championship aka one playoff Playoff game against the miami heat with no derrick rose with no derrick rose you know little nate has his uh his ups it's just nobody really gives him credit i mean he's he's a what five foot ten guy that won the slam dunk contest twice twice (laughs) yeah
5: twice um what else happened all-star weekend uh you watched hardaway that was a I was like a, a bridge between the Heat and the Knicks right there. You know, Timmy Sr. and Timmy Jr. Oh, yeah. Playing on that knockout, half-court knockout game.
1: Well, I hear rumors that the Knicks are going to send Timmy Jr. away in one of these cap-clearing trades. That would be the worst move they could possibly make. I mean, seriously. Would They've it been trying be to peddle Le'Veon
5: Shumpert, but it seems like no one no one wants him for some reason. I don't know why, but... um.
1: Well, I just don't see how they could get, like, say, a guy like... Uh Fareed. They were trying to get him for Fareed. Fareed?
5: What's Fareed going to do for this They could team? have drafted Farid over Iman. That's what I thought they were going to take. And then they shocked the world with this Iman pick. And, you know, he showed he shows, like, potential there. Another guy I'm not sure about is Basketball IQ. He's a great perimeter defender. He can hit the three. But I don't know if he can put it all together. We'll see. Well, He'll probably so- go somewhere else and, give you know, get more of a chance to put it together, and he probably will.
1: Well, I, I heard a rumor that, uh, you know, we would have a trade seeing Rondo go to the Knicks and Timmy Jr. go to the Celtics, and I thought, wow, how could you have Rondo and Shump in the same backcourt in any way, That'd shape, or pretty, form?
5: Pretty good defensive backcourt, though. Yeah, it would you be got a pretty a lot good of, defensive lot of backcourt,
1: but it, it doesn't it remind you of, like, Jamal Crawford? No. and Stevie Franchise and Starbury no, all on the same backcourt, no, no. like These having too are, many big egos?
5: No, I don't think so. I think those guys are uh, elite defenders, so I think that would work better than the Starbury franchise uh, conglomeration. Is it just about defense? I mean, I just thought the—
1: At least you have one the,
5: side of the ball covered. Those guys had, you know, they were erratic on offense and terrible on defense, so it was a bad mix. <laughs>
1: Well, that that reminds me of the Pistons' strategy of getting as many poor shooting, like volume shooting guys, on the floor as possible. When you pr- put Brandon Jennings and Josh Smith on the floor,
5: you—they've you... been playing all right, though. But let me, and they fired their coach recently. But I think uh, yeah, exactly. how much hold on hold on how they, much well, long is how, Joe so Dumars good. get? They've been so good that they fired their coach fifty games into the season. Uh, they must be calling for Joe Dumars' head at this point. I mean, his he's really cashing in a long time from that championship with uh, a young, much younger Chauncey Billups with Ben Wallace and Rasheed and those guys. That was in what, like 04, 05. He still, uh, and he probably hasn't been 500 since. <laughs> and he still has a job. And I think he's went through like seven or eight coaches in like a six or seven-year span. So I don't know why Joe Dumar is getting a pass.
1: Well, I, I was guess expecting a lot championship of gets you like. Year. We uh, talk
5: about him every week, right?
1: You know, it it we do actually talk about them frequently, Somehow, but some way, yeah. I don't think that it gets them a pass. They did have actually a, what a ten year run where they reached the conference finals every single season for like seven or eight years, right? Nine years, and 10 that years. ended in what year?
5: You're looking at it now. Uh,
1: it ended in what 2009, I believe. No, I'm gonna pull it up no, right now.
5: No, no, way longer than that.
1: Yeah, they uh, but they they really did have a fantastic they run. They did, but he's he's but living off then, of
5: that a long time. Yeah, yeah. Look how many coaches he's been through in that span. <laughs> I'll tell you, some of those coaches really wrote their own
1: ticket. Not it's not Joe's fault. Yeah. Sometimes it is the 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 GM's fault. but, yeah, but together- you got to have
5: talent. Look, you know, any coach would now when you have two superstars, you're going to look pretty good, right? So, Scott Brooks, all of a sudden, he's a great coach. Why? Because he's a great player. Spolstra, he looks good. Why? He's players. great
1: I Hold on a second. I know, I know, I know.
5: is the man regardless. Spolstra is the man. For sure.
1: And even when he had much, much more limited tools available, remember, he took the worst team, the team with the worst record in the NBA, and made them a top 10 team the next two seasons, only with one great second round, uh, second overall pick, who was so wonderful that we dumped... After his second season. I mean, the guy that, that basically it was Dwayne and Mike Beasley and Udonis. Now we're a top 10 team again. That's coaching.
5: That is coaching. I expect you to take your boys back, you know?
1: Well, how else do you explain it? Do you (laughs) think Dwayne Wade just really wanted the fifth seed those couple of years? I don't think so. He was a That's coaching. Guy. He got them motivated. He got I'll them playing well. He's looking all right. He's I mean, a- when you see the Pistons, one of the biggest problems you mentioned it, they've been going through coaches uh, nonstop. And by the way, they were th- their championship era lasted from 2000 to 2008 in Detroit, all right? And then from 2008 to 2011, they signed Ben Gordon. Oops. 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 a whole bunch of money. Yeah.
5: I mean, very one-dimensional player. Where is he now? You don't even hear Ben Gordon's name anymore. I think he went to Charlotte, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but I I haven't even heard much of Ben Gordon anymore. Well you didn't hear much of him. He was like, a local product up from uh, Westchester County in New York.
1: Yeah, he, he did Mount go Vernon. to Yeah, he did go to the Bobcats. I mean, he's making twelve
5: million dollars this God year. God bless him. <laughs> hey, look, it's like Steve Francis at the end. Everyone was just throwing boatloads of money at him and he you know, you can't call him crazy for taking it, so
1: you know, I would sign the contract if I was him, too, especially knowing what I know. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, how could they give a five-year, $60 million deal
5: to a guy that didn't even start? Shooter. Straight a guy shooter.
1: that didn't even start for his own team.
5: Right. He's a good fourth complimentary piece, but definitely not worth all that money. But, hey, they're going to give it to him, take it, and keep it moving. Yeah,
1: well, uh, you know, at least they're out of Capel, and at least I think that the Pistons have good pieces, even if they can't Yeah, well, make Andre it
5: Drummond won uh, MVP in the Rising Stars game. He had uh, he had a record 25 rebounds in that game Only, with 30 points. That guy is like a Hoover on the boards. He is a Hoover. He's yeah, so, sol- I mean, they, he's solid. Yep. You
1: know, they've got good young pieces, good young talent. It's not like the, you know, teams that have, like, too much older talent and a mismatched roster, like, say, the... Yeah. Say it. Say it. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Say it. Say it. You can say the Nets if you want to. I, I would say the Nets first, actually. Okay. The Nets first and the... Knickabackas. And the Lakers. And the Lakers. And the Lakers, especially the Lakers. So we're going to be back in just a minute. This is the only in Miami show... Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. We're here with Drastic Fanatic. Keeping it drastic. Yeah, you can find him at Drastic Fanatic on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern. Uh, we also have onlyinmiamishow.com, which we just got going, and I, I really would love if you every single person listening visits. And we do have the new onlyinmiamitoday.com website as well. So... And the only
5: Miami city dancers, don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) They're in the studio. You can't see them. Get your calendars. They're they're wearing this lovely
1: blue outfit, and it's amazing. I mean, it's like in-studio entertainment. The only in Miami dancers. (laughs) Live at 880. Let's give our people the
5: number to call in here. 305-541-2350. We would love to hear from you here. Only in Miami. Oh, yes, we would.
1: Yeah, the number again, it's 305-541-2350. So we're going to spend about 10 minutes here talking NBA trade deadline. It's uh, Thursday, February 20th. That's basically 72 hours away. It's at 3 p.m. And there's a lot of activity, I I would expect. Where is I think, Rondo going? Where is Rondo going? Uh, Pau Gasol, the rumors have him going to the Suns and... I believe That would improve the Suns a lot, I think. Well, I think the Suns pretty much improve themselves to be by subtraction with. considerably. But it would be a great rental
5: for them. It's no downside, right? No downside. I mean, it, you, know, you never know when you're going to be good. So especially if you know, you're not a perennial juggernaut. So if you're the Suns and you have a chance to make a run, kind of like how in baseball the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates did it, like, hey, how often are we here? Let's just mortgage whatever and go for it all in. So, well, the great thing the is, same boat.
1: the great thing is that I hear the main, uh, the main person they're gonna trade is Emeka Okafor, who has a contract that'll help them um, acquire Gasol, but he's not even playing.
5: He's a great moving piece.
1: Yeah, he's he's just been moved for his contract already once at the beginning of the season. He's a perfect to- throwing guy.
5: Yeah, that guy's been thro- tossed in more than. Uh, <laughs> he's like a salad. He just keeps yeah, getting tossed. Exactly. He's like a Rugola. Uh, <laughs> well, he's the first overall pick, too, no less. And now the, my Knickerbockers are talking about Jeff Teague, possibly. Uh, for who? For uh, maybe Iman Shumpert.
1: Okay, look. Let's be real here. What are the chances they trade Mello in the next three days?
5: Mello's not going anywhere. He already said it. He's staying putsky No,
1: he didn't say he's staying putsky
5: he, He's not going he anywhere. He said he dude. wants to go somewhere where he's going to win. He wants to be—he wants to win in the greatest place in the world to win, New York City. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Or ever but when it does, there is no better place in the world to be a champion. You know, life is about timing.
1: And Mello's timing is that he would win a championship in the New York area. I think he would if his timing said that he could play for 50 years.
5: I think 50 two, years, here's the 50 deal. Years, here's the he'll deal. win once. Next year, Knickerbockers, terrible contract situation. But, but, after that, Amari goes bye-bye, and Tyson Chandler goes bye-bye. And Andre Bargnani, unfortunately, <laughs> and J.R. Smith is still here. Do not go bye-bye. That is, yeah, <laughs> that's the bad news. I mean, I really. thought maybe Tyson Chandler might, you know, you could probably get a lot for him at this point. He'd be a great uh, trade deadline piece to give uh, – you know, a contender, a great defender inside. He's a difference maker, and he's a great locker room guy, and he has championship uh, experience. I mean, but he's a perfect what, midseason trade.
1: He's a perfect midseason trade, an except that he is
5: a system guy. He's yeah. a guy that that really thrives inside the right uh, system. He's a ball player. He's a gamer. Tyson Chandler's all in, man. Really, okay. Yeah, he's outside, a of, piece. outside of outside of hey, Mavericks. you're a Miami Heat fan. You watched it, man. You saw.
1: Outside of what he did with the Dallas Mavericks, name one other winning franchise situation that, that Tyson Chandler was involved in. That was good
5: enough. <laughs> that was good enough. Yeah, how many people even have that? Look, Patrick Ewing played how many played how many years and how many championships did he uh, hold down? I don't Tyson know. Chandler
1: was how a many huge championships do the, Knicks, the the Knicks have in the last forty years? Forty. That goes back to what year? Seventy four. Oh, uh, zero. Okay, and how many championships do the Miami the Dolphins have in the last 40 years? One! <laughs> you see, Dolphins fans do not have that much to cry about right. compared to Knicks fans.
5: We don't even want to talk about any Dolphins <laughs> right now, right? We're totally off-season. Incognito, do you want to just like, no, put no, no. the he's finishing? he's staying incognito. I will not, incognito. not hear incognito. that word ever again in this. You don't studio. want to put the official stamp seal, close it out on
1: it? You know what? I wish the booth had the proper music to uh, play some taps here, but that yeah. would be... <laughs> No finito. more. No moss, No, no moss. It's over. It's over. It's over. Fireland has happened. Okay, wait. Trade deadline. We're Let's co- go wait, back wait, to this wait, trade One last deadline.
5: thing. How does an O-line coach still have a job after that report? That's a
1: great question, actually. I think they probably <laughs> just haven't
5: found his replacement yet. You know, I think Ireland cleaning. slipped those. Remember those photos we were talking about that he has of Steve Ross. He probably slips them to the O coordinator on the way out. He goes, "You might need these."
1: No, no, no. The offensive coordinator's gone. I mean, not too. the coordinator though. The, the O line, line coach. coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah he Turner. probably has them, of course. <laughs> so Ireland's, okay. Yeah, go ahead. What what other? Just, let's let's just wrap up on this because I mean, really, like the trade deadline. There's th- this could be an epic trade deadline. There's a lot of competition in the West.
5: What about the Heat? Anything going on with the Heat? Karan Butler maybe. Really? Yeah, a short-term heard his rental flying on Caron? Around. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I doubt it. I mean... Just to be like insurance to Dwayne Wade with the with the bum knee? Mm, I'm not feeling it. I I'm mean, have you it. seen
1: uh, Tony Douglas? He looks okay out there. T-Dougie? Yeah, he's playing defense. I mean, they just need a warm body to come in. Yeah, but he'd be a solid warm body, no? I guess he'd be a solid warm body, but who'd he get rid of? I guess Roger Mason Jr.? junior junior yeah yeah i, I mean is, it's possible he's done i don't know i don't know i don't see the heat really moving at this point the heat have the, the roster that's gonna you know stick with us uh, at this point i mean anybody else Rodney any other Stucky maybe yeah is stuck out now he's a solid defender he is a solid defender but i mean you know anybody else any other big trades in the works I mean, uh, seriously, you think Melo is going to last through the week? Yeah,
5: dude, that's a no-brainer. That's a
1: no-brainer? Yeah. I mean, what if the Knicks go out there and get three Carlos or four? Carlos
5: Boozer told you won't be traded. I'm just going through uh, my sources here.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, Carlos Boozer. there's no point to trading him. They're going to amnesty him. Nobody wants to pick him
5: up. How many more years does he have on the contract? It's
1: well, he just has next year, but it's the Whopper. And, no, right. maybe he has the year after as well. I mean, he's got a tremendous contract, and here's a guy that won't play in the fourth quarter because he, you just can't do it. Like he's, he's not a defender.
5: And the Cleveland Cavaliers, what are they going to do to try to improve their situation? Harry Kyrie, They're going to... they're Luol Deng? Uh, Anyone know what? taking Luol
1: Deng? They should simply do what Pat Riley did and forfeit the remainder of the season. And uh, find some guys from the D-League, like Stefan Lasmi. And, and maybe start Chris Quinn. They could actually still sign Chris Quinn if they hurried up. I think <laughs> that his line may be open. And by the way, our lines are open if you want to call in and chat. 305-5412-350. We're going to be back on in just a minute. This is the Only in Miami show. And we'll be talking Marlins baseball in just a few minutes. Back. This is the only in Miami show, and I'm your host Grant Stern. We're here with Drastic Fanatic ¿Qué pasa? So
5: let's talk about the Marlins. Here, did you get to, you got to see them a couple of times last yeah, year? I visited the ballpark when the, my uh, Metsies were in town. It's always a fun day at the ballpark.
1: Absolutely. What do you think of these guys? I mean, you saw them last year. Did you did you see them at the beginning of the year or the
5: end of the year? I saw them. Well, you know, being an a East fan my whole life, I always, always they're not too far, so you always can keep an eye on them. Now that I live in beautiful South Florida, it's even easier to keep an eye on them. Um, look, you know, they're starting from the ground. Giancarlo and Stanton, um, Giancarlo Stanton, I should say. Uh, you know, can he bounce back? That's the big question here, right? It is
1: the big question. I mean, I think that he had a great second half of the season. In fact, I'd well, say that the team had a pretty decent second half. It was just the the first two months they went something like
5: 11-41 and 41 last year, the Marlins, and, and that really losing ruins gets, your year. Yeah, losing gets contagious after a while, and then you fall into, like, a mental— and it seemed that it was mostly mental after a while, you know? Well, I didn't—it
1: th- was just that they tanked. The first two months, uh, everybody was hurt. Um, you know, Stanton was hurt. Uh, Lomo was hurt. Lomo's gone now. Yep. Yep. Lomo's gone. Um, they brought Jose, in a, a decent... Jose
5: Fernandez sparked him though. Right That he was probably the, uh, Oh, I we will get
1: back to Jose. I mean, Jose Fernandez, we could talk about probably for an hour on the show. He's an amazing,
5: amazing player. I saw him pitch live and he definitely kind of get, reminded me of the doc, Dr. K days. Really? Dr. K. I, you know what? I call him the Cuban babe Ruth.
1: He's the Cuban Babe Ruth. I was well, there. He's a
5: good hitter, right? He hit a homer against the Mets, didn't
1: he? He hit a homer against the Braves, and oh. and I was there for that one. And what happened was uh, the catcher, what's his name, McCarran, I believe, the guy that that went and signed
5: with the Yankees? Uh, McCann, Brian McCann.
1: McCann. Brian McCann, one of the dirtiest players in baseball, in my opinion, goes up to him and actually gives him grief because he stood and watched his first home run clear the fence and apparently that that slighted him, and there was a bench-clearing brawl.
5: Yeah, well, when you're a rookie, look, uh, you, can, you can't get away with that stuff, period. There is uh, untold baseball etiquette, and you got, you got to follow it.
1: Well, uh, you know what? It was a great incident because as soon as he looked at Jose Fernandez wrong, the bench cleared. Yeah, nothing even needed to happen. Other than- nothing else needed to happen. I mean, they were on top of it. And there's not a lot of players in baseball that you would consider leaders. In fact, very few. I mean, can you really name too many leaders in baseball? The last,
5: the last leaders uh, retiring at the end of this year.
1: Oh, oh Jeter? Yep. Yep, Jeter, he's a, he, he's one of them.
5: Uh, I would say like a guy like John Crook. John Crook was. Keith Hernandez was my all time favorite. There's no leader like Keith Hernandez, in my opinion.
1: And there's no stash like Keith Hernandez either. And he's shaved now. There's no more stash. Sad. I don't know how don't life goes it. on in New York without Keith Hernandez's That's stash. That's why I
5: moved. I was like, what's the point of living in New York if I can't watch Keith Hernandez's stash every night on SNY? I mean, it made no sense. Ay-yay. Yeah,
1: I mean, any other guys? I mean, like uh, Nolan Ryan. I'd say Nolan Ryan was very much a leader on the field when he pitched. Yeah, and yep, and, and he was a guy who could crack some skulls. Uh, for you out there, I, I Robin hope, Ventura. I hope for our listening audience, at least one or two of you are sitting by a computer, and you can Google that. Google Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura. Robin Ventura. It is possibly the ultimate fight in sports. Robin Ventura was maybe like 15 years younger than Nolan Ryan, yeah, something like that. And he got brushed back, and and he decided to charge the mound against the old man.
5: It's kind of like Zimmer and Pedro.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Zimmer and Pedro, except that Nolan Ryan was, the was chargee, ready for not him. The charger. Yeah, oh.
5: Zimmer was the chargee.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Nolan How was, that, was
5: waiting for it, and he clocked him. He did. He, gave he him a took him one. down. <laughs> and Robin Ventura is not that kind of player. You know, you don't think of Robin Ventura. No, like, he was a
1: he was a top draft
5: pick. He was a number one draft pick. Yep, and uh, he's going to be a great manager too. He was a great New York Met in his day. I agree. And by the way, the lines are open.
1: 305-541-2350. We would love to hear from you. Only in Miami. And we're talking about the Marlins, and you can make your comments. MLB,
5: pitchers and catchers are here, and uh, baseball's in the air. Well, that's why we're talking about it. They're playing up in Jupiter. Jupiter, Port St. Lucie. That's home to the New York Mets. Uh, and the Marlins and the uh, Cardinals, they share that stadium there, right, in Jupiter? Uh, I guess so, Roger yeah. Roger Dean Stadium?
1: Yeah, yeah, they have, like, a spring training village
5: up there. Right. So, and actually, Abacoa.
1: so actually, you're going to be there every day, huh? <laughs>
5: um, I might go visit once. I think I'm going to go uh, March 2nd uh, on a Sunday. The Mets are playing the Cardinals up there, same stadium. I'll check them out there, and then we'll go visit uh, Port St. Lucie. Hey, there's nothing better then spring training, baseball, man, I tell you.
1: Now, you you actually get to to hang out and chat with the players.
5: Yeah, it's like hanging out at a little league field, but then you look at the field, and it's like, hey, look, these guys are major leaguers. I mean, if you had a meta Marlin game, you might not know most of the major leaguers. You might think you're in a, minor, in a little league ballpark. <laughs> well, last but, year uh, especially.
1: Yeah, like, who are these guys? Program, please. Well, you know, a friend of mine, the the very esteemed Uncle Abel Sanchez, went up there several Annab- times. Annabelle? No. No, no, Abel. Abel. Okay, okay. Uncle Abel. And Uncle Abel told us at the beginning of the year, he said, this guy, Jose Fernandez, is getting promoted from A-ball,
5: and he's going to be something. Yeah. So He is something. But, you know, you only can pitch every fifth day, unfortunately. he can't pitch every na- every night.
1: I'm hoping they start him in the outfield. What do you think?
5: <laughs> he is the Cuban Babe Ruth. Uh, you just hope that the Marlins could really, like, you know, Stanton and, and Fernandez, you know, build him up, nurture him, let him be a Marlin for life. What's wrong with that saying? Why can't you be a Marlin for life? I agree. I think Why do that's... you have – once you get good, you have to leave. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Now you got a beautiful stadium. We need more fans. Y- the fans got to get out there, support these guys. Ozzie Guillen's not your manager anymore. Uh, Ozzie was a terrible mistake. That and was, a, yeah.
1: You know what? It wasn't that he was a mistake. It's that once he made his seminal, like, he stepped on the third rail. He stepped on the third rail of Miami politics, and you can't get off the no, third rail. Fried. So why. Yeah, you yeah, got
5: fried. But not just
1: that. But, I mean, but I,
5: Miami needs to get behind these guys and make it, a, a re, you know, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring back Marlon baseball. I agree.
1: But still, like— how do you get the fans tuned back in when there's so much passion towards the owner? And when I say passion, yeah, he really. I do not mean love, right? Um, and and, and as a two-year season ticket holder, I can tell you that the organization is great. A, the organization treated us very well, whether the wins were coming in or not. Okay. Um, you know they worked to earn our business. I would hope they do it again this year. We're we're com- contemplating uh, renewing our
5: tickets right now. <laughs> actually, yeah, why not? Um, but still, like, but they need to prove it to you, right? So they need to prove that. Look, Fernandez is gonna be, you know, when when his time is coming to get a big contract, we're gonna pay him. We want him to be a Marlon forever. You know, same with Stanton. We want this guy. We want to build our nucleus, like. Back in the 80s with the Mets, it was Darryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden, right? The right fielder and the pitcher. Same kind of dynamic here. You got to get the veterans in around them and, and build it right. And um, winning cures everything. Look, that's that's no surprise here. If they could do that, get those pieces and start playing good ball, I think the fans will start coming. And uh, it will just create a good vibe. And that you need that to win. And by the way the lines are open
1: 305 5412350. Yeah, I mean it's tough with the stadium situation. I think a lot of people are just so turned off by the stadium <sighs> situation.
5: I I, really, I agree with you. And also I think the placement of it too. Look. Oh, I think the placement's
1: my, okay. Listen, they used I, to fit 80,000 people into that neighborhood seven or eight times a year. And I remember.
5: Yeah, but that's seven or eight times. This is 81 times a year. Right, Right?
1: but the point is you you could fit 81,000 people, and people could get in and out because it's a city. And getting in and out is so easy. I come from downtown. I take the back way. Actually, I'm going to tell our listening audience one of my super secret only in Miami shortcuts. To get from downtown Miami to the stadium, you take... Northeast 14th Street, westbound, over to Northwest 7th Avenue. You hop across the bridge. And once you get over the Miami Avenue Bridge on Northwest 7th, you have three options. You can go straight down 8th Avenue. takes you out to Flagler, and you can kind of go the long way. You take a right-hand turn on 4th. You go right to the stadium on 4th. It goes straight to the stadium, and 7th Street is there too, which is actually Northwest River Drive. And it's Northwest South River Drive, excuse me. And that also becomes Northwest 7th Street, takes you right to the stadium. It's very, very easy to get to. Maybe on the highway it's a little bit more confusing, but I would suggest that for our fans and friends that want to see the Marlins and are coming from up north, you would exit on Northwest 8th Street, which is the Overtown exit. You hang a right-hand turn on 8th Street, and you take basically the same route. You take Northwest 8th Street West to Northwest 7th Avenue,
5: hop over the bridge, and you're there. We'll post it on the website.
1: Oh yeah, it's be- we're better than Google <laughs> we'll Maps We'll give you the here.
5: Google Map lowdown.
1: Right, but I mean, I'm just saying, like it's it's as not difficult to get to. I
5: thought you could have gotten more of the right. So who loves baseball, right? Who loves baseball that lives around here? You definitely got your New Yorkers that love baseball, and I don't, th- and I don't think you're appealing to that New York uh, baseball fan base in this location.
1: Really, I mean, yeah.
5: I think if you're a little further north. You would have more of a casual baseball fan come down to your to your stadium just to watch baseball. Like yeah, but no, it
1: didn't work that way. I don't think you know. I don't think there was a lot of casual fans driving to the old stadium. Oh, hey, we have a caller. We have a caller. Caller, give us your name and where you're at.
7: Uh, this is Peter Peter Ehrlich calling oh. from Miami.
1: Thanks for calling, Peter. What's your comment?
7: Oh, Grant, it's always a pleasure hearing you and your show.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comment. And I'm,
7: and I'm and I'm. I just wanted to say that I'm I'm. I'm checking in a little late on your show, but it's nice that you you and your guest are so passionate about baseball.
1: Well, I I love the game of baseball, and I do not love Major League Baseball, but I love the game of baseball because and it's art form. Right, every game to me is like a snowflake. So, you have any comments about the Marlins Stadium or their situation?
7: I do. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't follow professional sports uh, that much I do follow politics and I, I do follow the financial situation in the city of Miami and Miami Dade County and that that the hurdle of the taxpayers being forced to pay on uh, well over three billion dollars for the Marlin stadium and garages is is very tough very tough for for those of us that have to pay taxes and have to pay the, in the enormous the interest on the bonds used to finance the stadium. And you're right. You mentioned it earlier. A lot of people were turned off uh, by the owners of the Marlins and I think by that whole fiasco of financing the stadium and garages.
1: Well, how do you think the Marlins could give back sufficiently to convince taxpayers and others who are upset about the stadium deal to go to the stadium? I mean, it's built. You can't unbuild it. It's not
5: going away next <laughs> You can't week. move it to Boca, right?
7: <laughs> there too. Two things that could they could, um, you know, the Marlins should um, pay off pay off pay the portion that they're supposed to pay of the deal, pay it off as soon as possible. And I really think, it, you know, um, Jeffrey Loria and David Sampson, Jeffrey Loria, the main owner, he needs to sell. He needs to sell the new group that will come in with a better attitude, and negotiate a better deal with the county and the city.
5: Paying it back probably would have been an option if uh, Luria didn't blow up all the talent that he acquired right away. They would have had a chance to win, to generate more revenue, and now they're you know they're probably just losing money every year at this point. A lot of money. Well, they
1: have adjustment money from from Major League Baseball, and Major yeah. League Baseball is very very aware of where that money is going because it's supposed to pay for them to be, you know, more competitive right
7: be more competitive but i uh, it's i think mean, it's a very sad situation i know many people in miami and miami dade county you know are boycotting the stadium
5: exactly so you're not going to get a casual fan that just has nothing better to do on a weeknight and let's just go you know eat some hot dogs drink some beers and go to a baseball game now it's like political for them and now it's like personal so they don't even want to do that it
7: is if you look at the the ticket sales i mean the marlins even though it's a brand new stadium, and one of the few brand new stadiums in Major League Baseball. They rank either one or two for the worst attendance in Major League Baseball. Yep. And that's all on the internet. It's all. It's
1: well, tell me this, Peter, because you're very active in, in community groups. Do you think that a little bit more community outreach by the Miami Marlins uh, might help the situation?
6: Yeah,
7: absolutely. I, I do. I think, But I think Jeffrey Loria and Samson the two best-known people in the Marlins are both toxic, and it's very—you have to—they have to hire some new, better, or articulate people to come in and help them with that outreach. Or, or better for all of us, Jeffrey Loria just needs to sell to somebody, yeah. somebody better.
5: What about donating donating some of that retail space to the public? For, Might as well. Like I mean, to put only, a YMCA yeah, in yeah, there or something.
1: The you know.
7: Yeah. It's controlled by the city of Miami and they haven't been able to rent it but if it does rent the money would go to the city of Miami. Actually,
1: it- actually I just I was at 100 Fire Cigars um oh. and they told me that they had just opened at Marlins Park right in time for the season to end.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> Great timing. Uh we were talking about timing earlier, right? Yep. And uh so so that's that's a boon but it brings me back actually to something Related to Walmart, which we were discussing at the very top of the show, oh. which is that these parking garages were built without any mixed use element. They're simply like these monolithic parking garages with yeah. a little bit of retail at the bottom, yeah. and and they they go straight up. Like you know, there's no awning, no, li- no
7: liner units,
1: right? No liner no units. Liner it's, good have- parking, <laughs> it's good parking though. It's yeah, it's, it's good parking. parking. <laughs> and then I was I was in Coconut Grove today. And chatting with friends, and we realized it. We're like, wait a second, Marlins Park has this, these terrible, like, cubist parking garages. Miami Beach has these terrible parking garages and a terrible parking problem. Coconut Grove has these horrible parking garages with no uses, and they're just, you know, they're do like a parking ride. They're they're actually, if you can imagine this in the the Oak Avenue parking garage yeah. in in Coconut Grove. They give you 30 minutes free to try and incentivize you to go in there. And people refuse to park there because it's two blocks away from the middle of the area. Mm-hmm. And, and we realized that all of these troubled locations inside of Miami had parking problems born of these dead space parking garages. Uh, you're, you're
7: absolutely right. I, tonight I went to a documentary um, called The Human Scale. And it was about planning and zoning, and planning for pedestrians, planning for bikers, planning for vehicles. Um, all of these things come into place. And you know, what's absolutely oh, by the way, I was the only person in the room watching the documentary. Even though invitation had probably gone out to a couple of thousand, but you know, more people need to study this this topic. You know, the parking uh, liner units, retail right. downstairs. But in any case, thank thank you guys very much for being enthusiastic about this issue, and informing you know more members of the public.
1: Well, thanks for calling in, Peter. Thank I you, appreciate Peter. it.
7: Oh, look forward to your show anytime, Grant. Thank you very much, and thank you to your guest too. He sounds like a nice guy.
1: Thanks. Great, and and please share the podcast. We really love it when people listen to the podcast, and you know we have a brand new website out. Just a couple of minutes left, so I wanted to talk with our audience here about this new website. It's onlyinmiamitoday.com. Now, I would love to hear from you guys. Tweet at me. Email me. Facebook me. <laughs> call me. If you just Google me, you can find me. I'm not that hard to find. I'm Grant Stern. I'm your host. And uh, I would love to hear your suggestions, your feedback, your opinions, your ideas, because we really want to make this MiamiToday.com website something that you go to every day to find out what's going on around here and outside of Miami, but from your friends in Miami. That's the theme of our show. People that are in Miami that have relevance locally, but maybe importance nationally. And so we're going to tweak this website, OnlyInMiamiToday.com, and we would love to hear your feedback. And also, please visit us at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We're actually posting all the podcasts one at a time and breaking out the segments and posting those one at a time so that it's a little bit easier to listen to the parts of the show that you like. And the stuff that we've already talked about over the last 12 shows this is our 12th show. It we're, flies we're, time <laughs> flies when you're having fun. Time flies when you're having fun. We're almost three months old, and
5: we've had a blast. I hope you have drastic. Absolutely, this is the time of my life. Look, I wanted to, uh, always wanted to be on the radio growing up, and I went to college and studied it, and somewhere along the way, I got a little derailed, but now I'm back on the train. You know, I'm back on the track. Well, so, I say it's never too late. Never I, too late. It's like fact, the movie The Rookie. <laughs>
1: that's me. I'm like the natural. So you're the rookie. I'm the natural. Yeah. yeah a little I bit of
5: bull it. Durham sprinkled in.
1: Uh, yeah only in miami bull durham maybe not the natural natural. i i like the natural but yeah i mean we're here to have a good time we love to hear your feedback out there and we're gonna make some really great online content for you guys to view it'll be there all week it'll be there you know to share with your friends so please 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 share onlyinmiamishow.com. We just started a Twitter account. It's at onlyinmiamishow. And we just started a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash onlyinmiami. Uh, It's got a couple of city scenes. That's how you'll know it's us. But we're going to put up some photos from us inside the studio pretty soon. Well, that's all we have for today. I want to thank Estrella Sibila from Philanthrofest. I want to thank Steve Reutstein from Palo, and I want to thank Joe Cardona from Miami Bohem, which Steve also produced. This is the only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will see you next week.